Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to my study here at the church, Christian Fellowship Church in New Glasgow, Nova Scotia. And uh, this is the second in a series of messages on the prophet Jonah. And actually, it's a story about anger, depression, loneliness, isolation, bitterness, unforgiveness, and even suicide. And those were all very, very strong feelings that Jonah, this prophet, this man of God, had because of his life experiences. Life experiences that were very unpleasant. And yet, Jonah was in fact a prophet, and he did hear from God, and he prophesied in the court of King Jeroboam II of Israel. And Jeroboam himself was a very wicked man, and so that created a lot of problems for Jonah, because here he was trying to serve the Lord in a very wicked environment. And then uh, there was these, this nation called the Assyrians with the capital city at Nineveh that would often come and plunder and kill and just, uh, just rampage the nation, uh, just do so, to steal their crops. And for years and years and years, this had been the case. And Jonah lived through all of this. And so he had a lot of resentment towards the Ninevites and the, the Assyrian nation. Well, uh, in spite of all of these things, Jonah was able to hear from God and speak the word of the Lord to King Jeroboam II of Israel, where he lived. And as a result of that, uh, King Jeroboam was able to restore so much of the land, the property, the territories that had been stolen from him and uh, stolen from the nation of Israel. In fact, Israel prospered economically because, directly because of the prophecies that Jonah gave to King Jeroboam, and he followed those prophecies and succeeded. So then why? Uh, oh, uh, do, do you have this man who hears from God and, and, and as a result, incredible things happen, but he's full of anger, depression, loneliness, isolation, bitterness, unforgiveness, suicide, all those things that we talked about at more length last week. Well, we're going to go right into the book of Jonah uh, this morning, and we'll probably do at least one more message on the story of Jonah, probably after Easter. By the way, Easter is uh, coming upon us very quickly. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday. And then the sun, Friday uh, is Good Friday, and then Easter Sunday, just two weeks from today. So we're going to be having more services than usual on the Easter weekend because uh, there tends to be more people that want to come to church. So on Easter Sunday, we're having three services, 10.30, 2.30, and 6 o'clock. And uh, you can register for, for those services by calling the church and uh, just leaving a message that you'd like to come. The, the uh, telephone number is 902-755-1500, uh, 755-1500. And uh, just leave a message if there's no one here to take your call. Good Friday, we're having two services, and uh, you can also register for one of those. One service will be at 10.30, the other one at 6 o'clock. Well, let's get into... Uh, the book of Jonah itself. And it says, the, in the first two verses of the first chapter, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Now, 
Jonah was used to the word of the Lord. He was accustomed to hearing God speak to him. And God said, said to him, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So God asks Jonah to do something that was extremely unpleasant. He had to face his enemies. And this is, in essence, uh, so much about the, what the book is about. And it's not just for him. It's for us, too. We, we all have things in our lives that have hurt us, people that have done damage to, our, to us. or uh, There's just so many things that can happen in this world that uh, cause us to be resentful towards the people that have done those things to us. And so this is, of course, historically about Jonah, but... Actually, it's really about you and me, and that's what I would like you to really consider as we go. Well, God said to him, preach against the city because the wickedness of this city has come up before me. So sometimes people say, well, is God really concerned or aware of or about all the wickedness that's in our world? My dear, there's so much that happens. Uh, the terrible murders that took place in in uh, Atlanta just this past week, and uh, all of the, the the worry that Asians have in North America because of the prejudice, the racism that's being uh, that they're experiencing, and so we live in this very world, and it's a wicked world when it comes to those kinds of things. So God said, "Don't preach against the wickedness." Now, a lot of people don't like the idea of preaching against anything. We're supposed to preach about what we're for and the good things of God. And of course, that's very, very uh, an important part of the gospel. The goodness of God to us is just, uh, well, beyond description. All that Jesus did for us when he came and he, he lived on this world and in this world and he taught and he died on the cross and rose again for our our sins and for our justification and the promise of his return. Well, there's so much that God has done for us. So there's so much to talk about that's good. But there's also the other side. And God said to Jonah, preach against the wickedness that you see. And so uh, if you go to a church sometime and uh, the minister is talking about things that are wrong, uh, well, that's a part of his responsibility, uh, as is the responsibility of every Christian to call out those things that are damaging and hurtful. Uh, the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia gives a definition of wickedness as it's found in this verse. And it essentially is a disregard for justice. It, it, it doesn't concern about what, uh, itself with what is fair. Uh, a disregard for righteousness, for truth, for honor, for virtue, <coughs> excuse me, uh, for sinfulness or depravity. Um, that's what wickedness is. And, and so it's about preaching against those things. We're not called to be pacifists when it comes to that. Well, in verse 3, um, it says this, and here we see Jonah's response to this unpleasant thing that God asked him to do. And why was it so unpleasant? Well, not because he was afraid of the Ninevites. Um, he just didn't like them. In fact, he had great resentment for them. He 
had been wounded by them, very deeply hurt by them, and now God is calling him to go and preach, um, to uh, preach against what this what the people had done, and and Jonah knew in his heart that if he did that, that likely good things would happen, and that's what he didn't want to happen, and we'll see that as we go further in the story. It says in verse three, Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Well, uh, you might say, well, is it possible to run away from God, to flee from God? Isn't God everywhere present? He's omnipresent, as we say. Well, no, you can never really flee from God. There's no place where you can go where he isn't. And so it's not a literal thing he's talking about here. He's fleeing from his calling, from the thing God wanted him to do. And, you know, we can be prone to do that if we're asked to by God to face things we don't want to face, even to face the people that have hurt us and wronged us, especially if that means sharing the love of Jesus with them and speaking about good things for them. Well, uh, one of the things that's common, and psychologists talk about this, um, and, and that is when something unpleasant happens, there's actually a, a psychological reaction uh, that is either f- fight or flight. And it's... Uh, it's when we're trying to avoid unpleasant circumstances. So fight is to be aggressive and, and maybe get yourself in trouble for that. More commonly, I think, that people uh, practice flight or running away. And that's what, that's what Jonah was doing here. He was getting away from the call of God on his life for the purpose for which God had created him. And you can be facing things right now today that are unpleasant, and they can, it can be as a result of so many things, uh, even things that you yourself have done that are wrong, and, and uh, you just don't want to face up to those, those things. So, so the tendency is to try to avoid responsibility, to get away. And uh, as you can see in this story, and human experiences bears this out time and time again, it never works. So... He decides that he will get on a ship that's going the opposite direction to where God called him to go. Tarshish was west of where Jonah was. Nineveh was east. And he just went the opposite direction. And it says in verse 4 and 5, The Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. And all the sailors were afraid. And each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Well, uh, lots to unpack in that, in those two verses. It says, the Lord sent uh, a violent storm. So is God the author of evil? Does he do things deliberately that are uh, harmful, hurtful to people? Is that the kind of God that Christians talk about? Uh, the Lord sent. And sometimes we look at this uh, terrible pandemic, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic that has affected all of us. And we say, did God send that? Um, 
if so, I'm not sure if I really want to serve a God like that. Well, um, God had a purpose in sending this storm. And that was to arrest a prophet that was going in the wrong direction. Uh, Jonah needed to change course. He needed a turnaround. He needed what the New Testament calls repentance, a complete 180 in his life, and just turn away from uh, the things and the direction he's been taking and the things he's been doing. And one of the things that we have to ask ourselves, each of us do personally, and, we, and this is not just a one-time thing, but are there areas in our lives where we need a change in direction? It can be in the way we relate to others, can be the way we relate to family members. And there's a lot of <laughs> close proximity to one another in family life during this COVID uh, period um, where we're so isolated. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? If it's a bad thing, then it needs to, maybe there needs to be some change of direction, some change of course in one's behavior. And again, we just we just have to all personally look at that, take a hard look at our hearts. Maybe you're here today and you served Jesus one time. You were a Christian. Maybe you were brought up in a Sunday school, brought up in a church. Um, maybe you went to catechism or you, you, you did some things that were really good. And then you come to crossroads in your life, in your life. And uh, you're, you, you have to make a choice between what's right and what isn't. And you sometimes make the wrong choice. And then you find yourself not wanting to go to church anymore. And then you find yourself compromising. And then you find yourself doing things that you knew when you were a child or a young person that it was wrong to do. And, and now you find yourself doing them. And so why did God send this calamity uh, up uh, to these sailors on this ship say, sailing to Tarshish? And the answer is he was trying to get the attention of a prophet that was running from God. It's no small thing to say, I'm fleeing from God. I don't want anything to do with God anymore. And, and usually that finds the expression is, I don't want anything to do with the church. Uh, it's full of hypocrites. Well, I heard one pastor say, uh, you know what? We need more hypocrites in the church. And so uh, for the you hypocrites out there, you're welcome to come. And of course, the reason he was saying that is once you get to church, there is a greater opportunity with God's help and with the help of God's people to change from your hypocrisy into something far more truthful and honorable in your life. So yeah, bring on the hypocrites, if you want to put it that way. In fact, there's no one of us in any church anywhere who doesn't have inconsistencies in his or her life when it comes to uh, their walk with God. And it's then whenever things, God can send some things, not necessarily bad things like a wicked storm, a violent storm, but just things that he sends along to arrest us in our journey when that journey is going, is in the wrong direction. Well, um, it says here, and it's very interesting that all the sailors were afraid. So um, they were, um, didn't, didn't say Jonah um, was afraid, never said that he ran from the prospect of going to Nineveh because he was afraid. Now, that's, that wasn't the reason. But when it came to these sailors, these people who were not Hebrews, the, these people who were not of the Jewish nation, um, 
they were afraid. They, they cried out uh, that each one to their own God, and they threw out uh, cargo into the sea. So that they sacrificed that which would have gained them profit. Uh, no doubt they were merchants, and so they were willing to abandon any everything, um, their, uh, their cargo at huge economic loss. or um, they were, they were, and, and it says that they started to cry out to their own gods. So each one had his own god. And so there were many of them. There was multiple gods. There were all kinds of different religious ideas on this ship. And uh, what was missing was this one man who knew the true and living God wasn't a part of this. He wasn't even connecting with these sailors, as we'll see in just a few minutes. And it's important to say, listen, there's all kinds of spiritual influences in this world today. Um, not all of them are of God. In fact, in 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 to 3, um, John wrote this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. What does that mean? Well, it means that Jesus is God, the second person in the Trinity, but he came to this world. And he came here as a man, born in a, in a manger, as a little baby, uh, born uh, to the Virgin Mary, and uh, born without sin. And that's a whole other teaching in itself. But he was a pure uh, man. He did not have, he did not inherit Adam's sin because Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Uh, it was the Holy Spirit that planted the seed that generated the life of Jesus in the womb of Mary. And so the, the, every true spirit that acknowledges Jesus has come in the flesh. And that person, when it says spirit, we're not talking about a, 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 some kind of a, a, a spirit being. We're talking about humans. Every human that recognizes Jesus is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. So here's John saying something very, very um, important to us. Uh, here on this ship that Jonah was sailing in, the sailors were each one crying out to his own God, the scripture says. Uh, praying God, and, and who knows what gods they were praying to, the sun, the moon, um, so many uh, different ideas about God. And uh, if they, they, now of course at that time Jesus hadn't come, uh, but God still had his witness in the world through the nation of Israel. And uh, none of these folks were Israelis. They didn't know the covenant making God, the God Jehovah, the God of, of Israel. Um, they, they didn't know him. But they all cried out to their own God. And... Um, uh, it says that um, Jonah um, had gone below deck 
in verses 6 and 7, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Now, Jonah was a, was a guy who liked to isolate himself. He liked to be alone. He didn't want to be around people, especially when he was dealing with something that was troubling to him. And that can be very common. Isolation, loneliness. Sometimes it's forced upon people, but in this case it wasn't, not for Jonah. He just decided that he would go in the hold of the ship, go into a deep sleep, even though the ship was rocking and tossing to and fro. He, he was conscious of the storm, no doubt, but he didn't care. If the boat capsized and he was drowned, so be it. He had this strong desire to die, as we see, we'll see later on in the story. Uh, so the sailors call him up and say, uh, uh, the captain went down to him and said, how can you sleep? Jonah, don't you know what's going on? Get up and call on your God. Maybe your God is the true God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. In other words, he was saying, we've cried out to our gods and none of them have answered. We're not even sure if they're, if they're real or not. But Jonah, no doubt you have a God. Will you call on him? Maybe. Maybe your God is the right God. How do you think that Jonah felt? Here he is a prophet. He's been called by God to give the message of God to the people, both of Israel and now to the Assyrians. And so here he is in the midst of this reality. He's facing himself, really. I should be, I should be sharing the love and the care of God and calling on people to turn to him. Instead, I, I'm ready to throw in the towel. Uh, and so the sailors <laughs> said to themselves, uh, let us um, cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. And they cast lots and a lot fell on Jonah. Now, uh, this brings up all kinds of interesting questions. Is, it, is that how you find out truth? Do you just cast lots or you, you draw the shortest stick or whatever? Uh, how do you know that uh, in, in doing those things that are really, uh, arguably would be about chance, uh, more than some kind of a spiritual phenomenon, uh, how would you, uh, you know, let's find out. But they did that and lo and behold, the lot fell upon Jonah. So here God used something that wasn't the way that he normally would use to talk to people, but he used it anyway, so that Jonah could be identified as the person that God was trying to deal with. Uh, so um, does God use those things? Well, uh, he did in this instance, and no doubt he has in, the t in times past, um, even in the New Testament when it came to of finding a replacement for Judas as an apostle, um, they drew lots. And the only thing to, to, to point out about that, it was before the Holy Spirit had come on the day of Pentecost. And after that, that you don't find people doing that in the church. Um, in fact, this is what the Bible says, and this is the wonderful, wonderful message of the New Testament church, of what Jesus has done for us. You don't have to cast lots or put out a fleece. Those are things that happen in the Old Testament. Uh, well, I'll, if, I'll say this, and if God answers, then it must be from God. Well, I'm sure that God gives confirmation of 
of your prayers or of his answer to your prayer through those kinds of things. But uh, there's a greater reality, and it's this, Romans 8, chapter 14, to, uh, uh, verse, chapter 8, verses 14 to 15. It says this, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So we're introduced to a phenomenon that a human being can be led by God's Holy Spirit. Their life direction can be chosen by God. And we're summoned then to not try to figure it out, just by follow the direction that God gives. Uh, and it says, the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear, like these folks on this ship were, fe were feeling and trying every which way they knew how to get God's help. Um, rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. By who? By the spirit of God, we can cry out, and know that we're heard by our Heavenly Father, God himself, the one who created all things. And so we can be tossed back and forth on a, on the, in the trials of life and the storms that rage, and we're trying to figure out why and whose fault is it and, and, and all of this. Uh, and God, will you please help us? And sometimes what we do, need to do is just get into the Bible get into a place of prayer and just say, God, I, I'm coming to you on the basis that you've said that since I believe in Jesus as my Savior, that I'm your son. You've given me the spirit of adoption. And that, of course, applies to uh, not just the male side of the human race. It's referring to uh, both genders, men and women. Uh, Lord, you're my father. And I can come to you as a, as a loving father who cares for me. And I can ask you to help me and to give me direction for my life. And he does that. Well, so verse 8 and 9, they asked him, tell us who's responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? And from what people are you? And Jonah answered this, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Uh, well, uh, they recognized that Jonah was different. He wasn't like the rest of them. Nothing he had done so far um, made him to be one of them in their minds. And they asked uh, Jonah some questions about his identity. Uh, who are you? Where do you come from? What work do you do? Uh, what is your country? From what people are you? And he answers, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And yet there was not, no evidence of that in his life. Uh, he was not living according to his true identity. And you know what? That is one of the greatest issues of life. Um, his answers were true in one sense, but they were all they were also false at the same time. Uh, he said, "I am in a Hebrew." Well, that means he's a covenant. He's in a covenant relationship with God. Um, I worship the Lord. He, yeah, okay, he did, 
But was he doing that now, running from him? The God of heaven, not just one of many gods, but the one true and living God. So if that was true, he's giving testimony to, to that. Why are you running from him? Uh, he made the sea and the dry land. He's the God who created everything. There's nothing happens that uh, is outside of his sovereignty. And how, how you know, well, why are you running? And so he was, he was a, his life was a contradiction of terms. And, and it's so easy for even a Christian to live. You might say that he was a hypocrite. Um, and uh, it's so easy for us to confess one thing, but actually to act in a different way. Well, um, verses 10 to 12. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? So, they knew he was running from the Lord because he had already told them so, the text goes on to say. And the sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm and uh, 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 calm down for us? And Jonah says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Now, when he confessed his identity, I'm a Hebrew. I, I know the I worship the Lord God of heaven. Uh, well, maybe he wasn't <laughs> such a. That may not have been so true for him at that time. And 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 I know who who the true and living God is. And so I know him, and I know that I'm messed up pretty big, and uh, it's my fault. So pick me up and throw me in the sea. So we we get this picture of total despair total failure. I might as well die as live. And uh, so uh, just pick me up, throw me in the sea. Uh, he was so self-judgmental. Um, he spiraled deeper into this despair. It was, he was going down, it was swallowing him up. And he was uh, saying, uh, listen, it's all my fault. Uh, friends this morning, you can blame yourself for a lot of stuff, and no doubt that a lot of that blame is deserved. But you missed the whole point of God's grace and love. Why was God doing any of this? Why would God send this big sea, uh, big storm in the sea? Why did God even bother with this rebellious prophet, this rebellious guy? Well, the fact of the matter is he doesn't give up on us, and he doesn't give up on you. Whatever failure you might feel or uh, self-despising, I'm no good, I'm useless, I, I, uh, I, I might, as well just, uh, might as well just give up. Well, um, don't be so sure. Don't be so sure. Uh, God hasn't forgotten about you. And there's a wonderful opportunity for you to cry out to him. Uh, repentance is a lot better than falling deeper into the spiral of despair. In verses 13 to 14, it says, The men did their best their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wider than before. Then they cried out to the Lord. Now, they're talking about Jonah's God here, the Lord, not one of their many gods. They recognize something at this point. that Their gods hadn't answered them. But they recognize something about Jonah. He's willing to give up his life to save them. And so here's this despair that was suicidal, but at the same time, 
he was also willing to reach out and help these people that he had jeopardized by his behavior. Uh, and so uh, whenever they tried to get to shore, the sea became wilder than before. And uh, they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Uh, well, a few things to unpack there. One of them is, as, as good as these men were in their intentions to save Jonah, uh, there sometimes friends just can't do that. Friends can help, and you can be a friend to somebody and reach out and help them, but the deepest need of the human soul is for God and for God's help, for God's grace, for God's salvation. And so they weren't sure what was going to happen. Was God going to be so angry with them? But no, it, it, uh, it, it says that uh, they, in verse 15, they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea drew calm. As the Men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered, uh, at, the, at this rather, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. So, uh, they recognized that God truly was Jonah's God. They, threw, they had thrown him overboard, and as far as they knew, he was going to die, he was going to drown. But now God sent peace to them. The storm quieted. How do you figure that out? They're, they're, they're in the midst of this quandary. Like, uh, here's a guy that really has done some bad things. And we almost all lost our lives, but he was willing to take responsibility, even at the cost of his own life, even if he didn't care whether he lived or died. But all of this was gripping their hearts and their minds, and they were they, they recognized Jonah's God. They recognized um, the Lord and they feared him. In other words, they, it wasn't just a terror because obviously this, the storm had calmed and so they weren't afraid of the storm anymore. Uh, but they, the respect for God, who is this God that would do such a thing? And so they offered a sacrifice to him and, and they made vows to him. What an interesting contrast. Jonah, who knew the Lord, was breaking his vows, running from his call as a prophet. But here are these people who didn't know anything about the God of the Hebrews, uh, the true and living God. Uh, they, they so they start to so they made sacrifices to him and vowed, made vows to him. What were those vows? Well, we don't really know, but no doubt it was to serve him and to recognize him and to follow him. So there we see. God ministering to these sailors. And then it says in verse 17, the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Uh, in the fish, three days and three nights. Now, <laughs> Jonah could have been ripping mad at this because he didn't die. And so... God, why? First of all, you sent the storm. Well, before that, you sent me to the Ninevites. Then you sent the storm. Then you, I'm thrown overboard. Now I'm in the belly of the fish. When are you going to stop? And uh, he could have done that. And you might find yourself in that position. Why does God let all this stuff happen to me? Why am I in the circumstances I'm in? 
Well, we see in the next chapter that Jonah came to recognize that God wasn't trying to kill him or make him angry, but he was trying to rescue him. That's the story of Jonah. That's a story of about a man who refused to serve God when he was called upon to serve him. A man who actually had known God and his power in days gone by. And now he was finding himself in a circumstances in a circumstances that he, a circumstance he could never have imagined. And in it, he came to recognize that all along, God was trying to rescue him, to help him change direction. And he's here today to do the same thing. If you need to change direction in your life, God's love and His grace through His Holy Spirit reaches out to you today and says that you don't have to stay on the journey you're on. You don't have to live in despair and despondency and isolation and unforgiveness, which was such a huge part of Jonah's life. Uh, It doesn't have to be that way. You can find the peace of God that passes the understanding of the situation you're in. That's a bit of a paraphrase, but it's what the Bible says. You can find that the grace and the help of the Lord Jesus Christ is greater than your trial. Greater, greater than your circumstance, no matter how difficult and challenging it might be. Um, he's here to rescue you, to save you. And so I'm going to pray. And if you're a Christian this morning and you're filled with despondency and despair and you wonder about everything that's happening, let me encourage you. God has a purpose. It's a redemptive purpose. And he wants to use you in it for your family, for yourself, and for others. And if you're not a Christian, today you can become a Christian simply saying to Jesus, Jesus, I believe that you were sent here by the Father. That's what that passage in 1 John said. I don't believe any other spirit because they're actually antichrist spirit. They're against who you are and what you've come to do and what you've accomplished. And so, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. So I'm going to pray right now and invite you to join with me. Lord, I thank you today for this Uh, first Sunday of spring and it promises of good things in the days to come of um, well to start with for the snow to melt uh, soon for the buds to be on the tree uh, soon for new life to spring up everywhere we thank you for the season that's just before us of passion week and of uh, Palm Sunday that comes next Sunday and all of these things that are about your death and resurrection, and we celebrate, and we are thank you for that. And today, Lord, we receive your goodness in our lives. For every person who's not a Christian, we confess that today they acknowledge you as their Savior and Lord, and their life is transformed. For every person who needs encouragement today, we pray that in Jesus' name, and we thank you. We give you praise. Amen.